Here's what's coming up on this week's show. The problem is, it isn't about closing. It's about opening. And those... Oh, love that. We're going to write that down, Claire. That's, that, that's, that, that is our quote of the episode right now. It's not about closing. It's about opening. Yep. The Beat. Welcome to The Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Before we go any further, if you're new to the show, hi, we're the podcast that helps small businesses grow by inviting on a whole bunch of people who know a thing or two about that topic. And if you're uh, here for the first time or whether you're not really, then you could do two things for us. That'll be great. One, make sure you hit follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on because that means you won't miss out on all our lovely future episodes. And also leave us a review too because that really helps to pick us up in podcast land today claire we are dealing with a naughty word we are very naughty words that often sends people running a mile which is that word selling and we all have to do it if you run a small business you have to sell in fact you 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 do it almost all the time don't you we do and i think a lot of people don't realize that they're actually selling all the time um but there is still appears to be a bit of a stigma and um some negative a negative relationship with the word selling or sales um but unfortunately you know it is something we have to do in business but it doesn't necessarily have to be a painful experience which is why we wanted to invite somebody onto the show to talk about it so people can maybe look at it in a slightly different way and actually learn to enjoy it yes selling isn't all about that financial exchange there's much much more to it than that um it's a process and it's a it's a process that we should be learning to enjoy a little bit if we want to succeed uh, as entrepreneurs so uh, tell us a little bit about who we're talking with today we're speaking to lisa ansell who is a sales trainer and what lisa does is she teaches people to actually fall in love with selling um, and how to actually enjoy the experience and how they can really embrace the whole sales process in order to get results for their business. Lisa's also written a book as well, namely Pull Not Push, which is all about supporting people to fall in love with sales, maybe who hate selling. This is the Big Little Business Show. Why do you think people hate selling so much? I think people are, I would, I would actually class myself as the world's most reluctant salesperson. In fact, that's in quotes in my book. Um, I think it's because old school selling is, has an awful lot of manipulation and duping and everybody feels like they've been missold to. And there's been a big, there's, you know, it's in the, it's in the psyche that sales is bad. And also it's uncomfortable because what we're actually doing is we're asking people that we don't know for something. And actually, whilst we are all born natural salespeople, because without selling, without being able to influence people, we wouldn't be able to survive as babies. But we have that kind of beaten out of us through parents, through school, through don't ask, don't do this, don't question, be quiet, all of those sort of things. So I think it's a mixture of things, really. I think it's it, it feels for most people like sales is a dirty word when actually previously it's just been a dirty act. But Things are changing, and that's what I'm all about. That's interesting you're saying that. I, know, I guess you're right. So, yeah, you're, you are selling yourself from a very young age, but then society kind of 
t- tells you that selling is, um, like you say, a dirty word. It's a it's an uncomfortable thing. But if you're running a business, you've got to be a salesman. A hundred percent, you've got to be a salesman. Well, I think I think it's not necessarily about being a salesperson. I think it's about just not being afraid to ask and not being able to self promote. And we're all kind of quite reserved, aren't we? And we don't like to be rejected, and we don't like people to say no to us. So it becomes an internal resistance. But you know, there are ways of of kind of combating this and understanding what your role is differently. So it's about changing that perception, and that's the self perception and removing that inner resistance as well. Mm. I was just smiling when you were talking about the um, how children, you know, have to be able to sell to get what they want. And it just reminded me of my my daughter convincing me that uh, selling the idea that getting more clothes is actually a good thing. Um, <laughs> so and she literally just did it the other day. It just made me smile when you said that. OK, so we all we all have something different to bring to the table. You know, we all have different personalities. Some of us are, you know, extroverts. Some of us are introverts. Do you think a specific personality lends itself better to ultimately being you know, better at sales, Lisa? No, no, it's all about, you know, I literally can teach somebody who is a complete introvert how to sell without selling. Um, The best and most successful sales team that I ever noticed or witnessed or was involved around was actually an entire team of doctors. And the only reason why this team was a brilliant team and the most successful team you could ever come across is because all they did was ask questions to establish a need. And that's all you have to do. It's just about establishing needs and asking questions. You do not have to sell. So I can literally teach everybody and anybody how to do this without actually selling, how to have business conversations, how to ask for what it is that you want, how to find out what people need. Because in the end of the day, people aren't going to buy something they don't need. So why bother? Hmm. You just go next, right? You just ask the next person. That's all it is. Do you think that... Um, different personalities um, have to sell or should learn to sell differently? And actually, from the other side of the coin, the person that you're selling to, do you need to, uh, does it help to understand a little bit about how they tick in order to know how to sell to them? Do you know what? The first question, first, the answer to the first question is um, absolutely no. I think all personalities care. If they can find a way to be able to, to connect and because all selling is, is, is creating trusting relationships authentically and honestly. That's what true sales is because people have to trust you to be able to give you the money. Right. Um, so um, and the other way around. So talking about do we need to tailor ourselves to different personalities? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So I tend to work on two, two things. First one is big chunker, small chunker. That's people who just like. Big what, what, what? So go back into that. Big chunker and small chunker. Okay. So big chunker people are people who are super busy. <laughs> Sounds like sick. <laughs> oh no, Claire, you had to bring it down to that level, didn't you? <laughs> Sorry, I've got to just apologise for my co-host. She doesn't know what she's saying some, some of the time. That's so funny. The big chunkers are the the high level. Can't get that out of my head now. Now all I'm thinking about is is vomit. It's just you're going to have to change your whole tactic now, Lisa. Sorry, guys. Just come out. Well, you know, it's a thing. Well, at least you'll remember it. That's the other thing. It doesn't matter how disgusting the visuals are. You're going to remember it anyway. Okay, so big chunker. 
<laughs> big chunker is somebody who doesn't like detail, who are who make decisions with their gut, who you know like to keep it short, will pass it on to a details person's after. Uh, otherwise, they tend to be sort of what we call kind of high D, high I. So these are this is in the disc profile. So you use big chunkers, small chunkers, small chunkers are those people who need every single little bit of information oh, to make yeah. a decision. Mm. They're stuck in their cerebral frontal cortex, uh, their prefrontal cortex. And big chunk, well, we all actually make decisions with our limbic system, which is a whole new discussion. But they, you know, like to do all the detail and they like to sort of, uh, you know, see things in minutiae and they need to feel, you know, they're not as confident with making decisions without all of that detail. So that's big chunk, small chunk. The other thing we use, and I'm uh, I'm learning about more and more every day, is disc profiling. So that's... Mm dominant in in so it's disc is dominant um inspiring um compliant and steady so these are different personality types and we ha- usually have two maybe three of these different personality types in us but knowing how to communicate with the with different kinds of people you just have to listen to the way they speak and what you know how they how they port themselves to be able to clearly define how this person wants to to be given information and it's about that it's about how people receive information and what they need and what they feel is extraneous and it is just about that relationship building thing you know and it's just about being empathic it's about understanding the person you're talking to listening to what they say to be able to identify how they want to be communicated with do you know what, Claire, I've heard some of this before because we mm-hmm. had a previous episode, I think it might have been one of the LinkedIn episodes, might have been Gareth Wax actually talking about, um, or it might, I might have got that wrong, it might be somewhere else, you might remember Claire, uh, talking mm-hmm. about how you can um, size someone up for want of a better expression when you look at their LinkedIn profile to determine what kind of personality they are based on how their profile is laid out. So if they're using, using bullet points for their profile, then as uh, to use Lisa's mm-hmm. analogy, that, a they're, they're a big chunk. And, and, and if they've yeah. got a full sort of you know, potted history of their entire career up Very to that point, detailed person. yeah, that's a small yeah. chunker. Yeah, all of those things. Or it's somebody super clever like me, <laughs> like <laughs> blowing my own trumpet. I've got bullet points and I've got detail for those who you know want to scroll. Ah, to do up. both. Yeah. So are you a mi- are you a mixed chunker? <laughs> do you know what I keep arguing that I am, but everybody keeps telling me that I'm full of lies. <laughs> so we, we spoke before about you know it, you have to be able to sell to a certain extent in business, but maybe the word selling, just that word in in itself, maybe people have had a negative previous experience, um, either being sold to, or maybe they've done a role many years ago where it wasn't maybe dealt with in quite the same way. Um, how much of running a business do you think actually does involve selling and maybe people are actually doing it without even realising it? Absolutely. We all sell all of the time. We are all salespeople. We are born salespeople. We are born influencers. You know, if we have an idea that we want people to take on board, if we want to build, we're entrepreneurs and we want to, you know, make this thing happen. If you don't talk to anybody about it, then it's all it's ever going to be is a beautiful idea in your own mind. This yeah, is what a I secret. To do. Yeah, this is what I wanted to do with my book is literally empower these entrepreneurs, millions of them out there who have the best ideas, but have no way of actually communicating it, no way of actually spreading that news, no way of being able to have business discussions without, you know, without thinking, oh, I'm selling. You know, it's a real shame. There are so many brilliant people out there who could have so many brilliant businesses. And yet because 
because they feel they can't or they can't communicate that across to people for whatever reason, that it stays as a beautiful idea rather than a beautiful business. Sometimes it becomes a bit subtle as well and almost subliminal that you don't actually realise or the person you're selling to doesn't actually realise you're selling to them. I mean, like Lisa just dropped in about her book there. Very well done, there, Lisa. So, uh, Nicely didn't done. Get unnoticed. And we haven't talked about her book yet at all and she just kind of offered it out there. But we'll put a pin in that and come back to that, Lisa. So, yeah, noted. We've noted, noted that you've written a book. It's in there. Uh, so, um, now, I think the icky part of selling for a lot of people is not sort of you know, selling yourself or selling your service or selling an idea, but the icky part is when it comes down to asking for money. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I'd like to know is, do you think there's an easier um, way of doing this? I mean, is there a, there's, a, there's a clear difference between selling something that's got a bespoke price, price like when you're, sorry, something that's got a fixed price, like when you go into a shop and you know, buy something in a store, or something that's got a custom price that maybe you, you have to build a quote based on what the customer wants. So which part of those, which one of those do you think is an easier thing to sell? And you know, maybe sort of expand on that a little bit. I think that both of them have elements of the same. So if you are running a shop, if you have a small shop and you're wanting people to engage with your products, that's where the selling piece comes in. If you want to upsell, that's when the selling piece comes in. So people might come in for a browse or for something specific. But if you actually engage with that customer and find out why they've come in and what their needs are and what what motivated them to come in and all of that sort of stuff, that's selling. That's exactly the same kind of selling as you would do on a B2B as you do on a B2B business business rather business consumer like in a retail place our inner resistance is a fear of rejection so is asking for that business is there an easier way to do it absolutely yes absolutely 100% yes um and that is by understanding who your customer is understanding what their buying journey is and then just being able to ask questions to move them through that process. And that's what I do. It's about being completely customer centric. It's about not making it about you. It's about making about that person. It's what do they need? What are their drivers? You know, what do they want to get out of it? How is this going to relieve a pain or or create a gain? What is it? It's about, it's, it's stopping being about this egotistical self, you know, this egotistical salesperson, what would, would traditionally be, you know, deemed to be a salesperson and just making it about, hang on a minute, selling isn't about you. It's about your customer. You're not going to buy your own stuff, you know, and people aren't going to buy from you if you try and force them. It's about them. One of the tactics I use um, when I'm quoting for something because my service doesn't have uh, a fixed price, it depends on the job. So one of the first questions I ask once I establish what they want to um, want me to do for them is to establish what kind of budget they've got in mind or how much money they've got to spend on the project rather than listening to them and saying, right, it's going to cost you this much. And then suddenly they'll say, oh, no, that's too expensive. But if I'm working within their budget or I understand what their budget is first, then uh, it doesn't become such a scary prospect at the end and I'm less likely to get a rejection. Yeah, definitely. And understanding those things like budget, authority, timing, you know, and, and need, 
they're they're the things they're the things you need to know and understand and if you can tailor your questioning or the questions you ask around it it's just about questioning I am the questioning queen I don't want to sell I just want to ask questions I can give anybody if once I work with someone and work with a business I can give and we can formulate a list of questions that will literally take people through their buying their buying sort of process so it stops being about selling it's it just go you can use it as a almost like a crutch you just go I'm just gonna ask this question I'm gonna ask this question I'm gonna ask this question I'm gonna ask this question and it closes itself so it is about knowing and understand what are the drivers what do they want to need what drives them what motivates them what is it they're trying to achieve how can you make them look great all of those sorts of things Mm. Um, I think as well it's a value isn't it it's understanding what is important to them as an individual so they then see value in your service therefore the price question is going to be a lot more comfortable towards the end um nobody buys on price nobody buys on price it's an absolute very true yeah yeah i so believe that um so do you think there's a better way for people to you know sell and promote their services um you know in terms of communication do you think maybe picking up the phone you know the old-fashioned phone is a good way do you think email is a better way to to sell those services what do you think if you if you believe in what i believe um which is that all sales is is building trust and relationships how can you do that on an email the only way the only way i do that certainly on a cold basis is to actually create them a video and send them a video so that oh, I can call great them. idea yeah it's gonna get gonna get a round of applause from me I love that <laughs> mm-hmm. and, it, and it shows who you are and what you stand for and that they're important too so I I do that all the time and so many people are so resistant everybody goes oh well you know if everybody does it no 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 not everybody's gonna do it it's like with all of these great ideas just put them out there because nobody's gonna do <laughs> very few people will actually do it it's only the people who go oh well, I'm gonna give that a go see if it works suck it and see and then and then they they get responses but yeah i've i've pretty much got a 75 percent response rate to my videos mm, i'm not surprised thing is though now you don't have to you shouldn't have to hide behind an email because we've got such uh, an amazing amount of technology now and people are so used to using things like zoom um facetime and you know many others are available um so you can have a direct one, uh, one-to-one sort of face-to-face conversation with someone without being in the same room as them and i would say that's by far the best way to have a, a negotiation or to sell because you're like you say lisa you're building a relationship with that person and you can't do that by typing stuff out oh yeah absolutely no you absolutely can't i mean i think covid's the, the all the lockdown and everything the way that people are working working from home has changed everything and is is is, is much more difficult gone are the days when you could rock up to a business knock on the door and say hi gone are the days when you could get through you know if you if you manage to get through a gatekeeper and be able to find a decision maker and have a conversation with them because everybody's working from home everybody's working for mobiles oh the only way to get hold of them is to just just send them an email so everything is much tighter and much more difficult to be able to open those doors. So sales has had to change massively and be much more marketing than ever before because it is, you know, it 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 is much more difficult to be able to reach out through the times that we've had. It is changing and things are opening up, but the lessons we've learned have been huge. Mm. You mentioned earlier, actually, Lisa, about um, me- yeah, measuring the success of what you're doing, and um, I'm I'm the same as you. I love stats. And I love pie charts and I love pretty colours to see <laughs> what's happening. Slightly obsessed by all that. Um, but how important, seriously, do you feel it is for people to be measuring their their sales, you know, 
targets, the the returns that they get based on a specific activity. Um, if people aren't doing that already, why should they maybe be looking at doing that? I wonder as well whether it might be important to, based on the conversation we've just had, one of it might be important as well to measure your performance as well and how that relationship and that conversation goes and yeah. what things you could have done differently perhaps absolutely i think if you if you are running your business and you're perfectly happy with your level of sales you've got and what you're doing then you don't need to do anything if you want to change things up or grow or increase or you know bring on new people or if you have different aspirations then of course if you don't know how your business works if you don't know how those met what those metrics are if you don't know what it takes to be able to make a sale how can you then um, mindfully look at how you increase those levels of sales you just can't do it it's just you have to truly understand your processes what the processes of your buyers are what they think of you and how it all operates and, and this can be done from you know one man band right the way up to a multi-million pound company you know and and it does without these kpis without these analysis without this reflection without the cadences where you stop and you understand understand you look at what's been going on in 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 detail you you can't change things unless you understand where you are it's like you know if you're gonna if you're gonna plan a journey you have to go from a to b well you can you know everybody looks at b but nobody remembers that you have to start where you are so you have to be able to plot a journey so absolutely 100 kpis understanding your the way you work understanding your sales process most companies don't even have a sales process let alone kpis let alone having all of this sort of stuff you know um and and it's born out of entrepreneurs doing their thing being enthusiastic about their thing and and kind of growing by accident almost an awful lot of the time one of the things that i think we should can't dwell on enough is that whole icky sort of conversation at the end of the conversation where you start talking about price and i think like you said earlier on lisa kind of almost the word selling is has kind of got the wrong meaning now because people think selling is all about a financial exchange and it really is just a lot, lot more than that. And you can do it subliminally. You don't even know sometimes when you're doing it yourself. But everyone associates selling with that financial exchange at the end of a conversation. So let's just touch on that a little bit because um, like I said earlier on, one of the things that I do is kind of almost sort of flag that question up at the beginning so I know when we get to the end it's not such an icky conversation but what do you think people should do how do you think people should react when you get to that part of the conversation and your your prospective client says oh it's just that's too much for me <laughs> well uh, the, the fact that it's really interesting because I do an awful lot of analysis on on sales teams and what have you and what I find is most people say that they're really good at striking up rapport but they're right rubbish at closing in objections and asking for referrals. The problem is it isn't about closing. It's about opening. And those- oh, love that. We're going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that is a quote <laughs> of the episode right now. It's not about closing. It's about opening. Exactly. Yeah. This, is, this is my mantra at the moment. And the fact of the matter is you cannot put off price till the end. It literally has to be one of the first discussions it has to be one of the first discussions you know especially if someone's come to you it's like that's great I know what you're looking for you know i've understand a little bit about this you know that's all very well 
But, you know, talk about budget, talk about authority, who's got sign off, who does this, who does that? You know, if it's in a B2B, it's like, you know, if you go into a shop and they're a great salesperson, they'll turn around and say, what are you looking to pay? Because what they'll do is they'll tailor what products they offer you to your budget. I'm so pleased that's a thing mm. because, I mean, I just started doing that because I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I'll do that. I didn't actually realise that, you know, actually that's that's quite a sensible tactic. I just thought I'd give it a go. You're a natural. You're that's natural, Paul. Oh, bless you. That's really... Oh, yeah. Don't. You'll get a big head. Don't. <laughs> second, se- second quote of the episode. I'm writing that down too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it truly is the the you know the first conversation you need to have because there's no point in having any more of the conversation if they just can't afford it. You just say to people really, really politely, look, you know, I really understand what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, and there may be other people out there who will be able to give you what you want for what you have. Unfortunately, that isn't me, you know. And the great thing is because you're so honest with people, they love it and they don't want, the further you push people away, the more they want it. And there's, there's a really great thing that I use all of the time and that's the holy trinity of purchasing and the holy trinity of purchasing is made up of three things it's made up of price quality and speed and you can guarantee that everybody wants all three that's the holy trinity the problem is it's impossible to do so because if you want something high quality and fast it's going to cost you money if you want something that's fast and cheap then that's fine it's going to be poor quality you can't have all three So it is about making sure people you're talking to understand. It's like, you know, coming to me and say, oh, hang on a minute. I'd like a Rolls Royce for 52 pence. Well, that's not going to happen unless you're looking at, you know, some some miniature in a charity shop. It's like, look, let's be realistic. What you're looking for is a quality of product. You know, what this means is it it costs X, Y, Z, you know, and the reasons why it costs X, Y, Z. And I'm ridiculously expensive. I tell everybody this because A, it's funny and B, they know that they're dealing with somebody of quality. Wow, that's good stuff. Okay, so if people are listening who are feeling that, you know, I do hate selling, it's something that I'm really not enjoying, but maybe, you know, they're aware that they need to be doing it to move forward. Could you maybe list three pointers to help people to maybe overcome that fear um, so they can start enjoying selling and enjoying doing that again? Yeah, definitely. I think it comes back to, I mean, we get so kind of stressed and demoralized and everything, you know, on our day-to-day stuff, especially if we're not getting where we want to go. I think it's the first point is to go all the way back with why, why, what's your why? What are you doing this for? Why are you doing it? You know, what is your reason? If you hate your job and you hate yourselves and you do, why are you doing it? What, what, to what ends? Yeah. And, and really having a look at why you're doing that and to, to kind of cut out all the debris, all of the stuff that's bringing you down and just go back to basics. What is your why? Why are you getting up in the morning? Why are you doing this? Why? What is your drivers? And then connect back to the reasons why. And I think if you connect back to the reasons why it changes your mindset on that. And then it's like, well, what am I doing and why is it not working? And then finding out, you know, what it is out out there that's going to help you. 
So, and there's loads of free resource out there. We have a free sales training app, which is just brilliant, which is free to everybody. So you can tr- t- teach and train and do whatever you, you, you want to do, you know, for yourself. There's, there's loads of free stuff. YouTube's got loads of free stuff. LinkedIn, loads of free stuff. So once you've understood your why and you're starting to understand your how and why it's not working, then you can, then, then it's a main, your mind check. I think it just shifts everything on on a quantum level on a level that's you know energetic and when you do that all of a sudden weirdly people change the way they speak to you because guess what you've reconnected with your true self and you're talking from authenticity rather than going through a system where you're trying to get something which doesn't actually mean anything to you i talk to people about making meaning not money I like that idea of giving them the whole thing about engaging them in the whole conversation at the beginning and getting to understand what their ideal is and getting them to maybe talk passionately about what they want to achieve. Uh, and it just draws them straight into the conversation and you know, gets them warm and excited, doesn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, 100%. It's all about it. can't believe I've used the frame, phrase warm and excited. We won't get banned for that, but never mind. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, we are hardwired for human connection, for social connection. And actually what people need to know and understand is all sales is, is creating human connection. Now, obviously, there are people out there that don't want human connection or feel they don't. But fundamentally, I think if you shift your mindset to, you, you know, the next call is just someone you want to make friends with that don't even know how fabulous you are. Great, love that. So uh, we've come to the point, thank and you. thank you so much, Lisa. I mean, didn't we learn? Didn't we learn a lot there, Claire? Really that was great, great yeah. really good, and, and and a really interesting angle and a way of looking at it uh-huh. that we haven't explored before on the podcast. So thank you, Lisa. Um, oh, but we come to the point in that uh, the, the podcast that yeah, Claire and I love the most, and it also also makes our guests squirm a little bit. Is where we uh-huh. ask our five special questions, which are completely unrelated to whatever it is we're talking about in the podcast but um, they are inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actor Studio. And it's just a case of you know, us wanting to get into your head a little bit. So um, if you're ready. Yes, braced. What's your, f- I don't know <laughs> Do what we're going to get here, Claire. I'm, I'm looking forward to this and I'm nervous about it all at the same time. Lisa, yeah. what's your favourite smell? Oh, my favourite smell is weirdly tarmac and... <laughs> And you know the stuff that they used to put on on like old fences. Oh, creosote! <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, creosote. Those pantry smells. <laughs> Don't know why. It's bizarre. Is there some sort of deep childhood memory that you want to surface now? Well, how how no, could there be one? What would I, I, be I just, the link here? This is what I'm just wondering. Well, I don't know. Is why I asked. I'm just curious. I don't know. It's not, just that I don't know. It's, I, normally, I, I, when we, we normally when we ask that question, <laughs> the answers we get sometimes relate back to uh, a point in someone's history and something they've done as a childhood, and it just reminds them of a, of a certain time in their life. And I'm just wondering where creosote factors into that. Well, I think everybody's the summer, isn't it? It's where people are tarmacking the roads, yeah, in their fences, and it's hot, and you can you just walk past when people are being so active and making their places beautiful. And I think you know, I was. I think just maybe that's the thing. I don't. I don't really know. I just know I love it, and it's just. So most wow. people.
people think of like uh, ice cream and perhaps uh, <laughs> suntan lotion and stuff to remind them of summer. For Lisa, it's creosote and tarmac. Yeah, don't get there it. You go. Those there are the smells of summer for Lisa. <laughs> the smells of summer. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been really, really interesting just seeing things from a slightly different angle. And we wanted to bring this up as a topic because it's a fundamental part of running a business, selling. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are very fearful of it. So thank you for sharing your golden nuggets and your wisdom with regards to how people can maybe make that experience a little bit um, more seamless and enjoyable. So how do people get in touch with you, um, Lisa? Yeah, just find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm not backwards in coming forwards. There's loads of free content, loads of videos. Um, we've got a free app at Sales Geek. Um, also, yeah, just get in touch. Get in touch. I accept everybody because I'm here, you know, in the end of the day, I, I wrote my book to help as many people as possible. That was the reason why, because not everybody can afford to have me on their team, you know, and there's only one of me. So it's just, just reach out and ask and find me on LinkedIn. Uh, have a look at the book. It's Paul Not Push, A Revolution in Selling for People Who Hate It. Um, and it, it hopefully it will help someone, anybody, or come and see me when I'm networking or something. And I'll just give you one because I've always got a few copies on the go. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. Well, she was a bundle of fun, wasn't she? Wasn't she just? Her laugh is great. <laughs> I wish I could pot it. I love her laugh. <laughs> I love the way she approaches that whole conversation and it is such an icky, uncomfortable conversation, but she does it in such a way and with such passion Mm. that makes you think, oh yeah, I want to go out and sell some stuff now. Yeah, and and that's exactly, I think, what was needed is to to actually replace maybe some negative thoughts and fear with vibrance and positivity and fun because it can be fun. It doesn't have to be serious and scary. And I love the whole thing she was talking about uh, with regard to, and I'm so glad that this is something that I do without even realising that you know it's it's a thing. Is is doing that whole thing of flagging up the, the the price conversation right at the very beginning. So once you've established what that person wants, if you're selling a service or something that's got uh, a bespoke price, you kind of have that conversation first, and then say, well, you know, what are your price expectations? How much have you got to spend? And then straight away, it's out there. You haven't got to wait until the end of the conversation. And the the longer that conversation goes, the more uncomfortable that point becomes and thinking, oh, we've got to talk about money, got to talk about money. But if you talk about it at the beginning, then it's it gets it out there, doesn't it? And I think what that actually really highlights is having putting yourself in a positive place and feeling confident about the services that you're offering. Because at the end of the day, unless you're doing it for love and not money, then you need to earn. And therefore, having a straight-up front conversation, a transparent conversation about prices and costs is important to manage the expectations of both parties. So it's something not to be afraid of. So would you class yourself as a big chunker or a small chunker? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you know what? I don't know, actually. I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a, I'm a middle chunker. I think you're probably... Oh, yeah, I reckon there's sort of gradients of chunker, isn't there? There's sort of, yeah, sort of levels of chunker. Can, can I just quickly explain why I said what I said in the interview about <laughs> yeah, chunker? You need to, actually, yeah. I think what it was is when I heard the word chunker i heard chunder now chunder does that is that not a word like if you're sick you're chundering you chunder no 
or is that just? I have heard that word before. Yes, that is. Yeah, I think that Someone, is the I'm thing. sorry, I brought brought you know the mood to such a disgusting word, but I just thought chundering. And so it's a good way of describing people, though. Uh, mm, all people joking aside, <laughs> yeah, and, and we're not going to forget it now. Um, and I think there are gradients of chunker as well. There's this obviously there's the, the big chunker at one end of the scale and the small chunker at the other end. But I think then there's a, a sliding scale, and I think you're probably leaning more towards a small chunker than a big chunker because you while you like the big ideas and stuff um you'd love a bit of data oh, i do love a bit of data i mean you really get off on a bit of data i do but this is actually something i think is important that we don't overthink things because i think small little what they called again little small chunkers small chunker okay small chunker um sometimes the attention to detail can actually be a barrier because you you have a tendency sometimes to overthink things so um, yeah, I would agree with you though. I like, I love the big ideas, and I go with them, and I do things that scare me. But I do need to have a little bit of. You have to have some small chunks in there too. I have to have a little pie graph to back it up, <laughs> <laughs> back up the rationality of what I'm doing. <laughs> so thank you very much to Lisa for joining us. That was a really that was a, I learned so much about that and looked at now looking at sales in a whole completely different way. And I hope you are too. Uh, make sure you listen to some of our back episodes too because we touched on that subject a few other times and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can learn if you're running a small business if you're starting a small business or even if you're thinking about starting a small business please have a dip into some of our back episodes to find out a little bit more and some I guess listen to some other experts who can help you out yes and we, you can find us on socials as well so you come and say hello and uh, we'd love to hear from you and hear your feedback and if you've got any suggestions of any other topics that you'd like us to cover then do get in touch so you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram too. Big Little Business Show. And we're out of here. Say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. Big Little Business Show.